Welcome to American Conversations. Today we have a very interesting guest. Kevin Jenkins has been traveling the country for over 60 cities, I think, talking about vaccine issues and uh, what the public should know. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for welcoming me. So uh, tell us, uh, back up a little bit, tell us how you got into that and uh, what you're trying to do. Well, how I got into this um, is quite interesting, sitting at my dining room table trying to figure out what to do for the next steps of my life. This young dynamic legislator that I've known since a kid came and said to me, hey, listen, there's a crisis at the State House in Trenton in New Jersey that they were attempting to take religious exemptions away from their parents, taking you know, parents' ability to protect their child and their children from, I think, one of the most sinister and most evil institutions of our time, corporations of our time, which is Big Pharma. And when he was mm -hmm. explaining it to me, I kind of was taken aback. I kind of actually, Todd, blew him off. I was like, listen, I, I don't want to be, I, I don't have the time for this. I can't take on another fight. I said, but he, as he kept explaining it to me, I said, wow, this is pretty interesting. I can't believe anybody in New Jersey, in particular, Black Americans would even be voting for something like this or supporting something like this. And when he told me the backstory that it was a discriminatory bill, I said, okay, I think this is, mm -hmm. and I gave him my limited advice on how to handle it. He's a genius. He knows how to do it. And he actually won the day. Jamel Holly won mm -hmm. the day. This assemblyman won the day. He convinced the Senate and the assembly and the leadership, like, listen, this is a discriminatory bill, and this is going to open up Pandora's box, and we should stop it right now. But he mm -hmm. had help. He had 10,000 parents from all over the country, and particularly in New Jersey, standing out in the cold saying, you will not take our rights away from us any longer. You know, they've taken their medical freedoms away from them in the state of New Jersey, but they were not going to allow them to take their religious freedoms. And I was inspired by that. And a couple of weeks later, he asked me to come to a meeting that I couldn't attend. So I sent my better half, my wife, who's much smarter than me on these issues. And she went to the meeting and she came back and said, we have a problem. She said, with all of the work that we've done, with all of the things that we've created, how could we have been, how could we have missed this? How could we have not paid attention to this? And then this same young man came back to me several days later and said, listen, I'm going to Connecticut and Bobby Kennedy is going to be doing a presentation that he did with your, with your wife, with Gail and a couple of her colleagues, and I want you to go. And I got to tell you, Todd, Christine, I was like, wait a minute, I have something to do. He said, no, you don't. You're getting in this car with me, Kevin, and you're driving to Connecticut. So I went upstairs, showered, got in the car, and that changed my life when I sat there through the presentation. And I felt the same way that Gail did. Like, how did we miss this? Mm -hmm. Our family, we've done over 60,000 housing units of, of, of public housing, senior buildings. We've written all kinds of public policy. We've been engaged at every form of government. We understand the business of that. We understand the business of building things. I just did a hospital acquisition just a year ago. And so I'm saying to myself, did I help the wrong people? <laughs> you know, that um, was what, what did I do? So right after that, I met two wonderful young women in Connecticut. And they were saying, Kevin, we would really like you to get involved. We think you have a deeper understanding of this. And I was like, you know what? I am, but on my terms. I'm going to create <laughs> that's our Kevin. Right. I'm going to create an institution and I'm going to call it this. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to create an organization that changes the culture of health in this country around advocacy, education, and public policy, which is my wheelhouse. I understand that. And we're going to be a driving force in all communities, not just the black community. 
I don't want this just to be the black guy out there dealing with the black issue when this is a human issue. This is a right. human crisis. This is a civil, a, this actually is a civil uh, rights crisis, but more mm -hmm. so a humanitarian, right. a humanitarian crisis. So after that, Todd and Christine, my life has not been the same. So, that's, so what, that's what, what did you, you call, call the organization? That's the Urban, Urban Global Health Alliance. Excellent. Okay, so how, so how, I mean, your message has been well received, but I mean, what's your strategy here? Because you're making a difference. You're all over the place. You've been to the cities. You've been to 40 states. It's been nonstop. Um, well, but one of the things that I was concerned about of this, this separation between the black community and the white community, or based on your religious or be Jewish or Christian, I knew that that was going to be a bigger problem because as long as they kept us separated, we can never get down to the real issues, get down to the real things we need to talk about. So I started like talking about this, like this is not about race. Mm -hmm. This is not about class. This is about mm -hmm. power and control. And mm -hmm. all of these people that have been telling us that we need to be separate, right? They are wrong. And guess what? By us listening to them, guess what they're doing to us right now? They're taking our religious freedoms away from us. They're stripping us of our constitutional rights. They're stripping us of our human rights. They are now going to come after our children. We are now, our bodies, knowing that the black body was the most commoditized body on the planet, I was giving them a deeper understanding what that commoditization has done to my community and my people. And I was telling them, if we don't work together, if we don't understand what they're trying to do with this cult science, if you don't understand what the legacy media is doing by lying to you, if you don't understand what some of your pastors are doing by now zooming in Jesus and now taking the, the devil's money to sell you the devil's product, <laughs> We're going to have a problem on our hands. And I say, mm -hmm. guess what? Don't let them fool you any longer. The people that are here telling you to pay attention to this are the truth seekers. They're the spreaders of truth. Those people that they're calling anti-something are being, they're using that derogatory term to trap them and sequester their voice from speaking the truth about what was happening to their children. So what I started doing is building that narrative and then connecting it to the pro-science narrative. When I say pro-science narrative, the scientists that want to have a debate about this issue, the scientists mm -hmm. that want to say, listen, something is wrong. The scientists that are saying, guess what? We should not be giving this to our children. By the right. way, this is an experimental biologic. By the way, this is the new pathway to slavery. By the way, and then when I started having that conversation in every city, mm -hmm. every day at six o'clock, every day, then I started to see the change. I started mm -hmm. to I was just going to say, you have you have said to when you participated with us in the Delaware forum that we did a couple of weeks ago, you were telling me that you were optimistic because some days I don't I, I'm not optimistic, you know, yeah. and you said to me, no, don't give up, Christine. You know, we're, we're, we're making a difference. Kevin, tell us the, the the pivotal points where you think we have made a difference. Well, when I first started this journey, it was an isolated narrative. You know, I was fighting for medical refugees, what they, which they called women that were moving to state to state. I was fighting for religious exemptions and fighting for medical freedom. And then it spiraled into something different. you know. And then I started having this conversation around the country and people, what happened with, I was just like you in the beginning, like, oh my God, this is just not going to turn out well. But mm -hmm. every day they got more information. Every day they opened up their eyes. Every day they started having dialogue. I started seeing a change. So let me tell you when I actually started seeing it. When I came to New York to speak in June, it was about 200 people. I think it was in one of the parks in New York, and it was a freedom um, rally. And I had never spoken in New York. 
And when I got there, it was about 200 and some odd people, but they were all awakened to the issue. And then when you go from June to now, in all the cities I've gone to, I've seen the, the, something snap in their brains. Now you have people asking questions. Now you have more people at the, at the rallies. Now you have more people at the boards of education. Now you have more people putting pressure on their legislators. Now we, I hear people saying we have to take back our government. We have to now force these people out of the way so we can preserve our lives and preserve our families and preserve our children. So I started seeing a change. And then I started changing. Then mm -hmm. I started saying, hey, wait a minute. Here's the message of hope, right? Here's the message of love. But in all of that, we have to take action. And I think that's what I'm seeing now all around the country. I wasn't, let me tell you, I think I'm, I, I didn't tell you the story because we hadn't talked since we met. I was in Fort Collins, Colorado, just maybe four weeks ago, maybe four or five weeks ago, on a snowy day. And this day, they were fighting against the slave passport because in Fort Collins, they were getting ready to put in place, the health department was getting ready to put in place a slave passport um, 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 law. Right. And this young lady named Robin, who worked at C works for CHD, called me up and said, Kevin, we really need you to come to Colorado. Now, I have a great relationship with the people in Colorado. I think I've been there like six times, Todd. And I mm. know the terrain. So I get there. It's a snowy day. And it's 5,000 people in the snow. Mm. In the snow. So I'm watching this. And I'm like, this is a magical moment. Now, and mm. I've been on stages where it's 10,000, 20,000. I've been on these stages. But it was something about this moment. And so I asked them, and I think you've seen me do this when I've asked people to stand up and inhale and exhale God. Right. Well, I got to tell you something, Christine, is something, it was so magical that I heard every one of their inhales and exhales. And it, mm. it jolted me a little bit. I was like, whoa, I actually heard it. And mm. I was like, okay, God is in the room. Everything is going to be fine. We just have to keep pushing through. We have to keep talking to people. We have to show them that they can be hopeful, but we also need to tell them that we are just as responsible as the people we're fighting against <clears throat> what's happening in this country and what's happening in this world. And then the third part of that, I've been pushing men now to stand up in the public square to fight for their human rights and fight for their families and fight for their children, because it was always the women out there over the last decade in the wilderness by themselves being attacked by big farmer, being attacked by the local elected official, being attacked by, you know, legacy media saying something was wrong with them. No, nothing was wrong. They were right. And they were the guide. They were the guidepost for us, for us to learn how to fight back and do it right now and in real time. So I'm starting to see that. I was just hmm. in San Antonio a couple of days ago. Same thing. Same exact energy. People are like, we're going into the streets. We're going into the public square. We're going to take back our government. We're going to take back our lives. And the fourth part of that is the whole issue of taxation without representation. I've really been toying with this a little bit. And I've been really saying to everyone, do you realize that you're now financing your own homicide? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are. We are. Mm -hmm. We are allowing them to use our money to, to transfer trillions of dollars to the most evilest people on the planet because we've been trapped in fear. We have been trapped in isolation. We need to all be talking to each other and pointing at the people that are, that are the agents of these global tyrants that are attempting to take our lives away from us. And well, they're using, they're using taxpayer dollars to buy, to buy the shots to give you. to the people. That's right. Thank you. And you know, and one of the things I was telling them, I said, 
These people are so evil that they want to rewrite the DNA of our faith. And I was saying, stop leaning on religion and lean on your faith, because when you lean on your faith, it connects you to God. When you lean on religion, it connects you to the global times. That's and true. Can, Kevin, I'm a, firm, I'm, a, yeah, I'm a firm believer that part of this whole cultural Marxist agenda is to split the black and white community. I think we've lost a lot of progress over the last decade, nearly the last five, 10 years. And, uh, you know, we were much more united, but I think we're going to be much more, even more united in the future. But how do we get from here to there? I mean, they've had some success in splitting us up, but as a country, uh, we need to get back to where we were a decade ago. And we just, just got to be out there doing it. Look, I just spoke mm -hmm. at, the, at the Jewish community, a, a, a synagogue in Brooklyn, and now we're getting mm -hmm. ready to do a black and white coalition where we're going to be mm -hmm. doing a rally in Brooklyn to talk about this issue that we're fighting against, these tyrants that we're fighting against. Now, if I didn't have that conversation about the mm -hmm. history coming out of the civil rights movement with the black and Jewish community, which now is leading to another unifying point in history that we have to work together. And I was so proud before I went to San Antonio, one of the leaders of the event called and said, Kevin, we want to work with you. Mm -hmm. We want you to come and we want you to plan a rally in our neighborhood. We want to talk about what's happening. We understand what's happening. But I think the thing that's bringing us together more so than anything are our children. Oh, True. Yeah. That is the, that is the thing. The, the, the babies, the mandates, that's right. bringing us together. Yeah, it's black it's, and white. They're, they're predators. They're yep. medical predators. Is, is yep. what's going on here? I mean, I I remember when uh, we released the the short film I did, you know, calling this medical trafficking. There's no doubt in my mind that this is predatory, uh, and it's as predatory as the critical race theory, try the indoctrination, um, calling white kids oppressors, calling black kids yeah. the oppressed. I mean, it's you don't do that to kids. They're kids. You know, give them the childhood that they deserve. So it's it, it's extraordinary times. Yeah, I think America has lost its soul, and I think America is now finding its way back. You know, I I, I tell you, I tell people when I'm on the stage, we're to blame for this. We took uh, our eyes off the prize. You know, we took our eyes off of freedom. We took our eyes off of faith, right? We took our eyes off of it. And you know, <laughs> you've heard me say this: when you lose your God consciousness, you lose everything. That's right. You become weak. You don't, you don't believe in anything greater than yourself. That's why those tyrants can take the position that they're take, taking because they want to be our God. Look, our political landscape is even shifting in this country. I always tell people, you know, stop buying into this narrative that the Republicans and the Democrats are going to save you. You have to buy into the narrative that you can save yourself. And that if those people that you sent there to represent you, that you fund and that you voted for, is not paving the way to freedom for you, right, they have to go. So if they don't go, that's your fault. Right. You know, it's nobody else's fault. Nobody in the sky is going to come and save you. You know, Christ is in you, not outside of you, depending on them or depending on someone in your church to do that. And I've been having harsh conversations with people about those kinds of issues. We need to take responsibility for what we have done to ourselves. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to claim the mantle of justice and be victorious if we shame the devil and tell the truth on what we've done. And the black community right now, if you go to all of the major cities that where there are black leaders, we still have segregation in our schools. We still have a criminal system that, that arrests more black Americans than white Americans. And we're all black in our cities. Think about this for a second. 
-hmm. Right now, we have more black on black crime. Right now, we have under, under, underemployment in our cities. We have a broken infrastructure, right? We're not looked at as an emerging market in these cities. We have now, again, became agents of the government, and we're now taking the COVID money, the slave money, the death money to do what? To do what? To trap our communities further into what? Poverty and fear. The black media, not the black, the black legacy media, mm-hmm. the black athlete, the black pseudo intellectual, the black pastor, and this whole notion that the black church that represents the black traditional church is not true. The black traditional church would have spilled onto the streets and would have been having dialogue about this and saying, "Wait a minute, we don't, we're not going to go back to slavery." But the modern day church, the modern black day black church, not traditional modern black church, they works they work for the corporation of white supremacy. They are the greatest proxies of the corporation of white supremacy. Well, I, I've spoken about this, as you guys know. I started eavesdropping on the White House phone calls on the Office of Faith Base back in February when Biden came in. It wasn't for the press, but I did it anyways. Um, and I heard very early on that the Office of Faith Base and the Biden administration at the White House wanted to get that group, and this is their words, not mine, married to the black leaders in the black communities plus the union. So they didn't say which union back in February, but I assumed it was probably the teachers. And they wanted the uh, churches to hold COVID events, quote unquote, because churches are places of worship and trust in a community to quote unquote, validate the COVID vaccine. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, this is not what this office should be doing. But that's what happened. And my question to everybody is, every time that they see a church, black or white synagogue, and it's been used as a COVID event, how much money have they gotten? Because there's so much money being spread around here. The the PR campaign, the money that was designated uh, through BARDA for the therapeutic research, all of a sudden that went empty. And then all of a sudden the White House at another phone call announced that they were doing this huge trillion dollar public campaign to push the COVID shots. And then you hear about these these ministers, again, black and white, hosting events at their churches. And all I can say is nobody does this without any money. Well, all of the all of the churches in America, I say 65 to 75 percent of them have been bought. But it's more insidious when you look at infiltrated when you look at it from a black perspective. It's much more insidious. Tell us why, Kevin. Well, because when you talk about the exodus, when you talk about slavery, when you mm-hmm. talk about the commoditization of the black body, when you talk about all of the, the the issues that are happening in the black communities right now, we are now a bottom class, right? We are now the victim class. And for you to take money to tell to fool your people, your group, and to take in an experimental biologic. With, uh, and, uh, and understanding the history that we've come out of, you're very evil. You're an evil institution, you're an evil pastor, and the congregants, shame on them for buying this and not pushing back against this. Let me tell you something. In five years, in four years, in three years, there's a reckoning coming. There's a reckoning coming. There is a reckoning coming. And I'm glad to see now that people are starting to push back against these institutions. What you're seeing, and this is what's never on legacy media, that black Americans are not buying this. These mandates, they're not buying. This coercion, they're not buying. Now, there are some of them are saying, oh, I got to do it to save my job. Well, guess what? God bless you because you should be thinking about your life and the future of your children's life because when you wipe out the children, you wipe out the earth. 
When you wipe out the earth, you wipe out the sun. When you take our children away from us, you take the source of life for generations to come. And I'm going to tell you something, Christine. There is a reckoning coming. And I see it and I feel it. I'm, I, you know, I can see the conscious and unconscious now, how they're getting ready to like, wait a minute, something is wrong. The people in this country that are awakened, I call them our crack troops. And there's a lot more of us than them. Mm. And there's a reckoning coming. I'm telling you. I, and this, and I'm going to be talking about this every day, everywhere I go, because I want the world to know that those people that represent you, that look like you, that look like me, those are the barbarians we should be looking at, not the barbarians at the gate. We should be looking at the barbarians that look like us in these communities that are lying. And let me tell you, there's history behind this. When Margaret Sanger was promoting abortions, the deep let's, let, let's go but let's go back explain to the audience because some people honest to god some people don't know the history and and i was i was doing some research the other really? night and i thought you know i remember having worked at four networks we did have discussions about vaccines okay and i yeah. found some video i sent to todd the other night i said we got to cut it i'm going to write a piece and i'm going to remind people that and it's and this is in my lifetime so this yeah. is you know but let's explain who margaret singer well, Margaret Sanger was this diabolical woman that actually believed that one race is, is supposed to be superior over another race. Right. Well, she concocted this beautiful evil strategy to depopulate the world of black people or to diminish the value or, de or to, decrease, to decrease black Americans from having children. And it was also what they called in those days, this is in the beginning of the 20th century, but it goes back to the 1800s as well. Right. When, if you were an imbecile, if you were mentally challenged, if you were physically disabled, then you didn't have the worthy to, to produce children. So they would sterilize them. Okay. And they, and they did this in the 1800s and it wasn't just here in the United States, but they would sterilize anybody that was institutionalized. And then fast forward to the 1920s, she hooks up with the Rockefeller Foundation. That's right. And, and it's the eugenicist history did not start in the 20th century. It started centuries before that. But 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 let me but but I wanna you're absolutely correct on that. And that's a whole nother segment for us to do. But mm -hmm. I want to tell you how insidious it was for the black American community, right? Right. Because you know, the Negro project where mm -hmm. she convinced um um Bethune. She convinced um, a number of black leaders, um, and one of them is Du Bois, my library, yes, Du Bois, right. and she convinced the black church to go into black communities and convince them to abort their children. And they took the money and did it. And the mm -hmm. Rockefellers helped to finance Du Bois, helped to fi finance Bethune, helped to finance some of our black universities, which is another discussion for another day, mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's, the Negro Project has never stopped. I was laughing a couple of months ago. I said, Margaret Sanger is dancing in hell saying, wow, they're fulfilling my dream to wipe out black people. Now wipe out all people. Guess what? Genocide and eugenics are operating in, in one, one family now. Where now mm -hmm. it's not about just wiping out black Americans, but it's wiping out all of us on this planet that they deemed weak, that they deemed that they that we don't need those people on the planet. We need to depopulate them. And the Rockefellers has been pushing that agenda for decades. Well, you talk about the Black Jewish uh, Brooklyn project. I mean, Israel's on its fourth shot, and they're going to start vaccinating children in a week. It's going to. I mean, they're doing a better job than Hitler ever dreamed of. 
Right. But you know what? Somebody mm -hmm. asked me a question in one of the interviews. I have to send it to you. Mm -hmm. Why is it happening? A young Jewish dynamic young man asked me this when mm -hmm. he was interviewing me. I think I have to send you the interview. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. because they forgot. That's it. Sometimes you, have to you forget. I mean, I have been astounded is what, what has happened in Israel. And I've asked people and some people have said to me, you know, because Pfizer has the market there and, and there's rumors that they may they may have done a deal to do a plant. But it's happened so fast. But you would think of all the places on Earth that people in Israel would, wouldn't go along with this. I mean, I know I know they have they have, uh, you know, demonstrated there, but still it's a small portion considering how many people have been vaccinated and gotten the boosters, and now they're, they're just opening up the gates for the kids. Well, like, we forgot because what we've done is we've sent our kids off to these universities. We have not taught our kids the rich history, even though some of it's bad, mm -hmm. of who we are as a group of people. It's happening in the black community. It's happening in the white community. It's happening everywhere. We have dropped the ball. I think we have to go grab our kids out of these universities. I think we need to take back our money that's funding these universities and funding these hospitals and funding these operations of death. I think that if we don't do that, we won't have anything to talk about in the next 10 years. Our kids, our, the next gen, three generations will be wiped out. Majority of our elderly will be um, permanently sick and diseased. All of the people that are taking these boosters, you're thinking that they're going to preserve their life. I hate to break the bad news to you. That is, This is the end of your life. You know. And now I think even the people that took the shot initially, the experimental biologic, are saying, wait a minute, why am I taking a booster? Wait a minute, why are you asking yeah. me to take the, you know, the flu shot? Wait a minute, I'm not feeling well. Wait a minute, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that's happening too. I think people are saying, but Margaret Sanger and eugenics movement was the driving theology that what created the Holocaust. The driving theology. They came mm -hmm. here to America first to learn from the masters, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. IBM. Mm -hmm. Now they're being used to create the grain pass in the country. What is wrong with this country? What is wrong with us? Well, not only that, but the comparison to what's going on at the CCP in China, having 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 a, a social, uh, you know, card, you know. So for people to think that this couldn't happen down the road here, starting with a medical passport, it's to me, it's just illogical. But again, I don't think people really understand what goes on in other parts of the world. Here in America, they—it's almost an, a willful ignorance of arrogance of thinking yeah. well, it would never happen here. The government's going to think in my best interest. That's not necessarily true, and there's plenty of evidence. I mean, there's a plethora of evidence of the um, the, the fact that people who work for pharmaceuticals have gone to jail. P they have had billions of dollars in fines, but when we talk to some people, they just—they doubt it. Although the evidence is there, these this is not a story that a journalist writes. These are court documents. Right. Well, I got to tell you something. This this herd mentality, this stuff that we're seeing right now, I think every day you and I and Todd we talk, it just dissolves it. I think the more we keep talking, the more we keep sharing, the more we out in communities like we were um, when we were all together. Right. I got to tell you something. That was a very impactful evening because when I read the press the next day, I was like, wow, we have a legacy press. They wrote something decent about what happened. So something mm -hmm. is going on. They can't hide this lie but for so long. They can't hide it. It's just out there now. And people are asking questions. And that's the thing that gives me a little hope. 
You know, evil will never prevail. I think the light will always outshine evil. And I believe that if we can get Eventually. people to understand yeah. that, I think that we're going to always win the day. Kevin, tell us about the Freedom Travel Alliance. Oh, yeah. That's something I love. Well, <laughs> because of what was happening in the country um, nine months ago, we realized that we needed to divest from this old system of tyranny because all of it is about tyranny and control. All of it's about wealth and power. So we said, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to show the world why we are here fighting for our body sovereignty and for informed class and fighting for our children. We're going to pave the way to the future. So we created this company called Freedom Travel Alliance on the premise that we're no longer going to be held hostage by the, these commercial vehicles that tell us that we can't do something. We can't travel. And it was very close to my heart at Freedom Travel Alliance because remember 60 years ago, I couldn't travel on certain roads. 60 years ago, I couldn't get on a bus right. because I, they said I was unclean. So what we did was we started building an infrastructure for a new travel company. We're right now raising money for two planes. We're doing a capital raise, not on Wall Street, but with private investors to buy these two planes to be the gateway to what travel should be, what freedom travel should be. So it's not about just not being masked and being injected, but it's about showing the world that it's about time that we start building a new world that we need. So we came up with Freedom Travel Alliance. And the first month, we raised uh, 400 to a half a million dollars, and we hired staff all around the world to start building the infrastructure for this new company. So it's all membership-based. And mm. for nine months, we've been building this company, and we have done four beautiful charters that we have kept quiet because we are testing the market. We don't know about beta tests right now. Sure. But we've done four, we already done four charters, one from Ghana to Florida, one from California to Mexico. Now we're doing one from Ireland to Mexico. So we're really mapping and charting what this company looks like. But in nine months, nine months, we built this company and people are investing in us so we can build the company and buy the planes. So Listen, have Kevin, I want you to do I want you to do a flight from the from the from uh from the States to South Africa for safaris when we get out of this. Well, guess what? We can do that. Okay. We can do that. And that's I gotta tell you, a young lady that I work closely with that started Urban Global Health Alliance and Tara Thornton and Susan Sweeten, they started talking about this day one. They said, Kevin, we want you to use your skill set to understand how we structure these businesses. I said, you know what you you know how you structure a business? You go build one. That's <laughs> that's nice. it. It's not it's you don't have to be brilliant. Believe it or not, I've ran small several boutique companies around commercial real estate and community development, and you have to build it. You build it, you structure it, you take the action, you make sure your product is good and this the mission is very clear, and people will come and invest. And that's what happened. That is a, exactly what happened. So now we're doing the same thing with ranchers all around the country. We're creating this small, mini, really small distribution company to get meat to all of the people around the country that now not want to shop at supermarkets. So we did we did two tests, right? And that was the first beta test. I got 800 pounds of beef delivered to my house, high quality beef delivered to my house from the rancher Trent Luce in um, Nebraska. When I was on the tour, Todd and Christine, I got to meet all of the ranchers. I got to meet mm. all of the people that were in charge of developing food around this country. I started to understand what the government was doing to them. 
I started to understand how the heartland was suffering because of what this this government overreaching in these regulations. I started explain that. Explain that because we we all know what you're talking about, but the audience may not because the regulations well, is insane. Well, what's happening is these beautiful ranchers, seven generation, ten, ten generation, generation ranchers. What was happening is the government was stepping in and saying, "You can't process your beef like this. You mm -hmm. can't raise your animals like this." Now and then they started infringing on them, and now they have this thing called 3030, where the federal government now is going on and going in and buying more land and taking land from those ranchers and those beautiful people that are raising our food. Right? They're saying we're going to take more land from you. We're going to take. We're going to buy more land. Now the government's going to end up holding and owning more of the land in this country. Well, and Bill Gates. And I, Bill Gates. That's right. And and, I, and there's a guy that I met. That has become my dear friend. I think that is a genius. His name is Trent Luce. I'm telling you, he set me down, and he took me a, a, took me around this country. And I got to tell you, Todd and Christine, I was never the same after that. I was like, oh, I get this. See, you know, living in urban marketplaces, you're kind of like, ah, you know. Even though I've traveled the world, even though I traveled, but I never traveled this country. I never had this dialogue with people in this country. I never looked at their kids in the face. I never looked at them in the face. And that's when, when people are talking about, oh, those people are racist. You're a liar. Those people are not racist whatsoever. Not at all. They're worrying about the same thing I'm worrying about. How am I going to feed my children? How am I going to educate my children? How am I going to protect my children from these global tyrants? How am I going to protect my children from these, these evil white coats? How am I going to be free? How am I going to fight against my tyrannical government? How am I going to fight against, you know, the education cartel? Public unions have failed us. Churches have failed us. The government has abandoned us. And it's time for Americans to take back their lives and take back their voices. We got to, we got to do an interview with that gentleman that took you around. Oh, the yeah. I, I want you to do it. He's amazing. Yeah. You know, and I was just blessed to be able to do that. Listen, think about it. I went across this country and it wasn't running for office. You know, mm -hmm. so every time somebody would see me, I say, listen, I'm not running for office because if I was running for office, I'd be lying to you. I'm here to talk about faith, family and freedom. And I got to tell you, I mean, a lot of I've, I have so many new friends and so many new people that have afforded me the opportunity to have this kind of conversation, even with you, because I've actually taken a poll of America. So when I see polls on TV now, even though being, you know, growing up in politics, I know it is all bogus. I say, well, that's not what America is thinking. America doesn't think any, they're not even remotely thinking about that. Well, not only that, but the, but the narrative that you see on the mainstream media, on the cables and the, the networks, the places that I used to work at, I mean, you know, that that is Washington, D.C. think tank. Yeah, okay? I call that's, it the big pharma news. You know, yeah, I mean that's the the, the, the yeah. lot. There's too many people. In that's those good. I like that. I'm gonna take that. That have, that have never <laughs> been out in the out in the field. That's part of the problem. And then you've got the, the local people, you know, who don't have the advertising money to stay in business. I mean, it's 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 gonna come from the it's gonna come from the groundswell. And I think it's happening. I think the world is waking up. I think the country is waking up. But I got I got to say this though. This is a magical moment in history too. And mm -hmm. there will be some people that might not make it through this. But I think the people that are connected to something greater than themselves, I think the people that believe in faith and family and freedom and believe in this country, I think that people that want to understand, you know, what's happening, they're opening up their minds and they're asking more questions. 
And if we don't fight for our young men and women that are in these private and public colleges, and if we don't take them out of those private and public colleges, if we don't take our kids out of these um, institutions of death, which I call a public education, they're doomed in a way that I, I just can't even imagine. I don't understand why some of the, the younger generation, you know, is so willing to think that they can rewrite communism a new have a new socialism, uh, new Maoism, when in fact that that's all a bunch of bunk anyways. And they don't know anything about the Russian gulag. They don't know anything about Stalin, Lenin that, you know, some of them don't even know anything about, you know, the Holocaust. Well, why would they know? Why would they know? Listen, I'll give you an example, Christine. When I went to those good schools I told you about, Mm -hmm. You know where I got my education? When I came home. You see all of these books all over my house? Yeah. My mother and father forced me to read and understand history and understand the world and pay attention to what they're not saying. Critical thinking. You know well, what not only that, done? Great books. Yeah. Great books. You know, you were right. forced to do it. Okay. Right. My, 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 you could have a job, but you, you had to read those books. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right now, we our, we didn't push that on our children. We said, turn on the TV, turn on the games. Oh, everything's all right. Oh, as a bottle, by the way, if you compete and you come in last, you get an award. You know, yeah. I mean, look what we did to them. We, we, we stripped them of anything that would define them as human beings. So now they're falling for everything. They're now even fighting their parents. I was telling somebody, my daughter is 40 years old tomorrow. You know what she did when she was giving me a birthday party? She says, Daddy, what do you think? How do you think about this? I said, well, it makes sense, blah, blah, blah. But now she's 40 years old. And she's been on her own for years and she's still calling me and say dad what do you think about this my youngest daughter hey daddy i just read this book send me that book you have in your house i want to read this one i said no you got to buy it you make more money than everybody else buy the book we have to go back and we have right. to get our kids and rebuild them we have to rebuild these children they're not going to be ready for what's happening they don't know what pain is they don't know what struggle is they don't know what any of that is well, they don't, they also don't know what their grandparents' uh, generation went through. You know, they have no idea what a depression, a soup line looks like. You know, I remember last year in 2020 and seeing the cars, you know, the, the caravan of cars for the food banks. And I thought to myself, okay, but are they really ready for the soup lines during the depression? I don't think that they are. And I think if you ask any of those people, who lived through that and who remember that, I think that they would agree. This this gen, this younger generation hasn't a clue what a crash or a depression could be. Well, Christine, you bring up something that's very important about grandparents. I grew up with my grandparents, so I know all the stories. I've went and touched the soil in the South where my ancestors were enslaved. You know, my grandmother, I remember asking my grandmother, uh, she was a nurse. She uh, she worked with um, mentally ill children, and um, she was about to retire. And I kind of thought it was strange. I said, "Grandma, you're too young to retire." She said, "I'm retiring because I've worked so hard." I did not know that my grandmother was a domestic. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that she was a domestic. I had no idea that she came north, you know, because of what was happening in the south. The, the other great migration from the north to the south, from the uh, from the south to the north. But what she said when we got here, Kevin, nothing changed. It was just a different level of racism, right? And she said, so we had to work hard to build a life for you. So when I'm standing on those stages 
and I'm talking to people all around the world and I look at the life I've had, I owe it to her. I owe it to all of my grandparents. I owe it to my dad. I owe it to my mother. I owe it to my community that taught me that, listen, this is what the real world is and this is what you need to be responsible and doing to change it. But guess what? These young kids don't have grandparents anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm figuring that out now. You know, these like what I was telling some friends of mine, I said in the black community, we need a new moral code. We need to break the dream spell. We need to develop new principles. We need to look at each other. We know it's this song that Michael Jackson, I, I don't know all of Michael Jackson's songs, but I remember being on the plane and I was playing my Spotify and he wrote this song, you know, Man in the Mirror. We need mm -hmm. to look at what we've done to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need to mm -hmm. not brush our teeth and say, oh, I'm just brushing my That really look at what we have become. Right. And Black Americans and white Americans, we've been marred in a narrative that has been anti all of us. Right. And we need to break that up and we need to start shaming the devil and tell the truth that we all were duped. And we all have to work together. And anybody that's a race baiter, anybody that's selling garbage is hope, anybody that's selling fear, Anybody saying it's all right to be engaged in tribalism that hurts one another. I think we have to push them out to the sea. I agree with you. I totally agree with you on that. We need you at two events coming up. So we have our next event? Connecticut and Maryland. Oh, you got, well, I, well you, who's, you got two events coming up? We don't have the dates yet. But we Let me know. Them. Yeah. Let me gonna know. Be. I'm, going to be, I'm going to be in New York for the whole weekend speaking in Long Island speaking in upstate new york they're going to send the car to get me it's going to be very it's going to be really interesting to do that and i'm also speaking in manhattan on saturday at one o'clock for the freedom rally and you then i'm going to your schedule my schedule you ought, huh? you ought to give us your schedule so we can publish it i will i'll give you my schedule i'll just start sending it to you i'll send okay. it to you because yeah. i mean i've been to i think it's not a part of the country i haven't been to but christine i got to tell you sometimes when i get off the plane and Somebody calls me. They said, Kevin, what state are you in? I said, I don't know. I'll call you back. <laughs> I can't that's remember. what politicians do. You realize that, Kevin. I can't okay. remember. That's what television producers do, too, during yeah. a presidential campaign. I mm -hmm. can't remember. I mean, my mother said, Kevin, you don't know. I said, Mommy, give me 15 seconds. I tell you. I said, oh, Mom, I'm in Michigan. I, I, I'm in Michigan right now. Because the rule is, is when I get on the plane, I have to call her. I'm like, Mom. I'm leaving the town. She said, well, what stage are you going? You better be careful out there. I said, mommy, I'm, I'm safe. I think the global tyrants have to be concerned. I'm Nobody's bothering me. I'm like, I'm fine, you know? And when they put me on the disinformation list, you know, said that I, 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 I of all the 12, all 12 people, Kennedy, um, Christiane Northrop, we're responsible for 65% of misinformation. I was like, keep up the good work. Because <laughs> now everybody's going to want to know what we're talking about. Well, the, so, thing, the thing is, it's not its not a bad club to be part of because no, gonna it's be not. Winning, it's going to be the winning party. That's right. The winning party. That's right, Christine. That's right. So well, I Kevin, do a lot Kevin, of these. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we're launching a paper in New York in 10 days. So <laughs> we'd love to cover that Brooklyn event you were talking about. That'd oh, be great. Interesting. Great. So great. Let me know. Great. great. I'm going to write some articles for you, too. Let me know. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah. Let me know. Seriously, seriously, we're gonna do for you guys. I do this is, now. This is this is a, this is winnable, and the thing the thing is, we're all having a hell of a lot of fun. You that know what? Is, which true. is not exactly where these other guys are. Those these guys are on the you know the defense. Yeah, um, and I am having fun because I believe we're all doing God's work. I believe that if we keep, and you know, it's very interesting, Todd. 
that and through all of this experience, it got me right where I needed to be seeking God's face for the right answer. Mm -hmm. Not my right answer, not your right answer, right? Not the politician's right answer, not the global tyrant's right answer, but God's right answer for this time, for this moment. That's right. I find that very interesting. I think it's beautiful that I, I got, I'm here. I'm here now with that. And so in loving and saying love is winning and all of those things, because I believe if we show each other love, it, we'll never hurt each other. You don't hurt people that you truly love. You know, I believe that. I believe You don't you know, commodify the human race and say that right. you're in the ballpark for the human race. That's right. All Absolutely. right. And when I realized that the Pope, <clears throat> and I was raised as a Catholic, became a doctor, and he outlawed religious exemptions in the Catholic Church, that Fauci became God with a little G, um, and that yeah. Biden is the form of pimp from the White House. That's upside down. That's an upside down world to me. I mean, even to the point where you have National Geographic that has a gold brand that has always been a sane, apolitical brand and was pushing vax and going against the grain of science through 2020 and now is pro-vax. And now that I know that Gene Case, who's, head of the, who's chair of the board of National Geographic, who's married to Steve Case of AOL, employed Ron Klain when Klain was outside of government and now back in as Biden's chief of staff, it made sense to me. It's all part of the same cocktail circuit, yeah. you know, in Washington, D.C., but I think it's going to come to, to, to and, and the, the other stakeholders in this too, and we can't forget this, are the stockholders. Because they're making a boatload of money because of the U.S. pharmaceutical companies are making so much money. And, and shame on them that they think this is okay just for the money. That's, that's, right. that's like the corporate structure during World War II, leading shame up to World them. War II. Shame yeah. on them. Yeah, I, I got Bobby Kennedy's book yesterday. Oh, I read it. And I got to tell you something. I did a live. This is when you know, this is when you know something's going on. I normally don't do lives. I don't know how to do it anyway, but somebody taught me how to do an Instagram live and I think I'm smart. I don't know how to do any of it. So I did an Instagram live and saying, listen, people should buy the book in particular black Americans who go buy the book. And, you know, I'm always giving that a plug. You know, we should do that. Almost 6,000 people on my Instagram page said, they're buying the book or they bought the book or it's being delivered. 6,000. That's great. 6,000 people. Now what the, now that is a poll. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was incredible. You know, I think people that's why will wake up. people yep. will wake up and, and I think, you know, everybody wanted the book to come out sooner. We all thought it was going to come out, uh, you know, in June or something like that, but then they push or July, then they push back the date. But I think it's actually, it's actually coming out at a God time because with the boosters, with the fact that you've got Gates and Fauci coming out and saying that the shots don't prevent transmissibility and that you can still, I mean, it's one thing that we all knew this a month ago. It's another thing for Gates and Fauci to come out and to say that in the last, I don't know, 96 hours. So the question is, so what the hell is this all about? You know what? Time is up. See, yeah. They already knew. They did a study on this. They knew time was going to be up soon. 
And that's why all of the local elected officials and the politicians are going to be holding the bag because they took the money. All of the churches are going to be holding the bag. They took the money. All of these places, there's going to be a reckoning. Yep. And then, when I started reading the book, I just bust out laughing. I was like, okay, this is just fantastic. I mean, because now we need to get to the issue of criminality. Right. See, we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, no, we're, we're working on that. That's right. This is a crime against humanity and they participated in it. And we need to say who these people are. That's why I told you when I see black Americans out here pushing this slave narrative, this victim narrative to go and take this experimental biologic. What did I tell you, Christina Todd? They're modern day slave catchers. That's right. When I see black doctors, black activists, or I should say, well, wherever they are, black right. doctors, black. All of those people pushing this, they're modern day slave catchers. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what they are. They oh, I agree with you. Of death. When I you see the unions you. turn on their workers that have, you know, enriched all of them and say, you have to take this experimental biologic. I'm not going to support you in the workplace. I'm going to let your employer fire you. Those are modern day slave catchers. That's what they are. Yeah, there. It's no. It's no. It's no different, and and it's not any. It's not anything different than what they do in terms of the organ trafficking model. You can't have organ trafficking in the twentieth or the twenty first century, as I have investigated it now for you know two decades. You can't have that without having what we call the well trained and well educated surgeons in the room, because right. you can't extract an organ to resell it on the black market unless it can survive. That's so right. for everybody to think that the industry is filled with sainthoods, that's just not the case. It's like saying that everybody in the Catholic Church is a saint. That's not the case. And again, that model, it was the system. It wasn't just the priest who raped the kid. It wasn't the nun who abused the, the child. It was the lawyers involved. It was the auxiliary bishops, the cardinals, the people that moved, that made the decision to put the priests into rehab, take them out, move them around from parish to parish, keep the lid down. But when you get to the point of the crescendo where people wake up and they say, oh no, it's possible. It's possible for evil to be in the room that I'm sitting in. That's when people will either empty the pews create the new models of doing business like you're doing, Kevin, and Todd certainly is looking at, or they're just going to stay unconscious until until that moment where people just can't deny it. I was talking to this guy, um, um, Mateus. I want to get his name right. I did a- uh, Eric Mateus. Well, he, he- He wrote Bonhoeffer. He did this um, book. Uh, he's talking about mass formation. Yes. Oh, we got to I got to. I don't something. think. Did Eric write that? No, he didn't write this. This guy's Martin. I'm going to get his name. Oh, God. I just I wrote it down really quick. But I'm going to send you some information on his theory about mass formation. Right. I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to pull it up. OK. And I got to tell you, he blew my mind this morning. You know, about how, you know, through this mass formation, people have now even cognitive dissonance can't even explain how they're now forming a, you know, a narrative that's going to actually destroy themselves. But it takes people like you and I to push within that narrative so we can push back against the totalitarianism that's happening. He created a whole system of explaining it, mass formation. It was incredible. Okay, we have to read the book and then do an yep. interview with him. Yep, I'm going to send you his name. you got to follow him. This guy is great. 
And so I was sitting there while we were interviewing him on Freedom Talks, which we do on Freedom Travel Alliance. And I was like, this guy is speaking my language. I mean, he's um, he's Belgium. And he's been he's a um, psychologist. Mm -hmm. But I just was listening to his whole presentation today. And I was like, oh, I understand what he's saying. I want to send his name over to you so you can track him and, and follow him. Okay, so before we close that, I, I need to ask you because you, I know um, you know I'm talking to a lot of people overseas and Todd is too, and but I know that you've been doing a lot of interviews of with some foreign radio stations and broadcasting yeah. stations. What's your take of what's happening? Because I mean, just you know, Monday, Austria shut people in. I mean, the only to me, the only good thing that can happen is if they segregate the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. And if the numbers increase in the vaccinated, while the vaccinated, the unvaccinated are shut down, maybe that'll wake people up and let them understand that just because you're vaccinated, you're not safe. I don't think it's even going to get to that. I think what you're going to see in the next couple of months is complete anarchy. Those people are just not going to take it. They'll push those people to the wall. I mean, I just think there's a certain sector of people in that country that are going to fight back. And I think that I think that's what we're going to see very shortly. I don't think they're just going to fall to the terror or the tyranny. I think they're going to fight back. And and in Europe right now, you're seeing a lot of that, you know. And one thing about Europe, though, they have a more active young community than America. Yes, they they are more active. They are more. They ask questions. They don't they don't buy this narrative that the young people in this country, the young people in this country have become very lazy. Those people are still active there. If you go to those countries, you know, you've been around the world. Mm -hmm. Young people are engaged, either negative or positive. They're engaged. Mm -hmm. They want something better for themselves. They are talking to each other. They are hanging out with each other. They are reading all of the great literature of their time. They are reading a lot of stuff. They don't trust the media either. They don't trust BBC. They don't trust any of the Italian news. It's happening. They are really pushing back. So to answer that question, I think the young people in Europe are going to save Europe. I feel sorry for the people in Australia, though. I mean, they're literally building the vaccinated, the unvaccinated uh, facilities. Somebody yeah. sent me a picture of that the other day, and it blew my mind. Well, you know, I have a saying, you know, if you give up your guns, you give up your freedom. And people say, Kevin, I said, listen, I'm a Second Amendment guy. I'm sorry. If we didn't have a Second Amendment in this country, we would be right there where they are right now. Mm. Very true. I'm telling you, I, I believe that. Mm. I believe they know that Americans will. There's a tipping point, and I think we're right there now. You know, I think we're there. I think you know the people in the Midwest and the heartland and and parts of this country and Alabama and Montana and Texas and even in Detroit, mm -hmm. <laughs> people are saying, "No way." Right. You know, like I'm right. not going. I'm not going down this rabbit hole. And then when they started taking their jobs, this is what I said. Oh, oh. oh I said, yeah. I said, now this is going to get people's attention because everything we said last year has come right. true this year. And I'm always asking people, do you want to get rid of Kevin Jenkins? Do you want to get rid of me? You want to really go away? Let's talk about it in the public square. Mm -hmm. It'll never happen. Mm -hmm. You want me to shut my mouth? You want me to stop talking about the church? You want me to start stop talking about the local elected officials? You want me to just, just prove me wrong and I'll go away. You want me to stop talking about the education cartel? You want me to stop talking about the banking industry? You want me to stop talking about Bill Gates and Fauci and the World Health Organization and the NIH? You want me to stop talking about all CDC? Debate me in the public square and I will go away. 
Mm-hmm. They won't. They're not going to do that. They won't. They're not going to do that. They will never do that because they will lose the minute they open up their mouths. So I know that the world is waking up, and I feel empowered by that and encouraged by that. Kevin, thanks so much. You got to come back. Okay. I love you. We'll see you soon. Okay. If not in person, we'll be back to talk to you soon. That's right, Todd. Take care, Kevin. Christine. And Take care, everybody man. at your company, your media company, I love you. Thank you. Okay.